Wild Revenge by Thomas Nemo. Read for LibriVox.org by Philip Gould. Tis morning, or Hebridean isles which dot the surface of the deep, the orb of day returning smiles, the spirits of the water sleep. Oh, sweets the breath of early morn, and bright the glow of eastern sky, and fair the flowers whose tents adorn mulls wild and rugged scenery. But brighter far than nature's eye is woman's pure and pensive eye while watching through the dreary night the innocence of infancy. And fairer than the fairest flower that decks the mead or mountain wild are smiles which in a mother's bower play o'er the features of her child. The matins in Lockbuoy's halls are said. MacLean, the doughty chief, with haughty mien his henchman calls and gives command in language brief. Go! Let the pibroch of the clan, the gathering, both loud and clear, be sounded from the bartizan. MacLean to-day will hunt the deer. His child, Lochbuie's son and heir, his wife, the Lady Isabel, will with himself be present there. Hence, quickly go, thy message tell. The henchman sped, the staghounds bay, the fiery steeds impatient rear. The vassals in their tartan gay with gladsome faces soon appear. The chief with bow and bugle-horn rides foremost with his island queen. The nurse and child aloft are borne within their wicker palanquin. The thrilling bagpipes gaily play as from their drones the streamers fly, the merry clansmen bound away and shout in wildest ecstasy. And now they reach the forest green of pine trees with their scaly cone, where turning round the proud MacLean keen marks his followers, every one. Each gorge and pass he fenced with care and strictest vigilance enjoined in order that the quarry there no outlet for escape might find. Twelve men of might and stature tall, well armed with lance and studded shield, form quickly at their chieftain's call to tend their lady on the field. A little higher ground to gain they onward moved, and many a prayer is muttered as they cross the plain, for Isabel so bland and fair. The bugles sound, the startled deer fly fleetly as the viewless wind, the shaggy hounds in full career pursue, and leave the woods behind. The bowmen with their weapon bent concealed behind the rocks remain, with sinews braced and eyes intent to lance the barb with deadly aim. But quicker still the red deer flew, the warder shouts were given in vain, as nearer to the pass they drew, their course to change or speed restrain. With bounding spring and antlers reared in air this furious rush, anon the hard and narrow gorge they've cleared, the hunting of that day is done. Exerted hope can rarely brook the sting of disappointment keen, so told the dark and angry look and flashing eye of proud MacLean. Bind the slave, he madly cried, a cur-dog's death his doom shall be, all hope of mercy is denied. Diavol, bang him on the nearest tree. But no, a refuge in the grave from sneering scorn the coward finds, misfortune's bitter blast to brave belongs alone to noble minds. So let him live, the knotted lash instead of death his flesh shall tear till blood spurt out from every gash which stains his craven shoulders bare. With lips compressed and dauntless breast the gale his stripes unflinching bore. No chains of countenance confess the pain that thrilled through every pore. Enough! 
the chieftain called aloud. The victim's cords were quick untied, and slowly, followed by the crowd, Lochbuie to meet his lady hide. Like sunbeam peering o'er the fells, through musky clouds which sudden roll, she sweetly smiles, and soon dispels the moody umbrage of his soul. With kindly glow his bosom warms, and stooping low upon the plain, he raised the infant in his arms, and kissed him o'er and o'er again. As if by force of magic's power the clansmen in their transports wild join in the greetings of the hour, and bless the lady and her child. The cheetah in the jungle trail creeps stealthily forward as he goes, and if observed he sweeps his tail and clouds of dust around him throws. As thus concealed he crouching lies. The doe no longer looks behind, relieved from dread of all surprise. She feeds, and thinks twas but the wind. But creeping nearer with a bound the cheetah fixes on his prey, which felling on the tangled ground he paws and tears with savage play. So Callum do with felon aim his direful purpose to conceal, shouts with the crowd in loud acclaim as if disgrace he could not feel. But, sudden as the lightning's flash, he from the nurse the child has torn, and up the cliff with frenzied dash the infant on his arm has borne. He never stopped till clamoring high the fearful peak at last he gained, and thence he scowled with glaring eye on those who far below remained. He quickly drew his dagger-blade, and o'er his heart he placed the child. He wrapped it in his tartan plaid, and stood erect, and grimly smiled. The chief was powerless and appalled. The pale and frenzied Isabel wild shrieked, and for her infant called, as prostrate on the earth she fell. Seemed as if wakening from a trance, t'was only then the clansman knew by instinct, or by dint of chance, the vengeful act of Calumdu. Infuriate, maddened, forth they bound to scale the steep and narrow path which up the cliff so slippery wound from which to swerve were certain death. Move but a step, he hoarsely cried, and on this dagger's hilt I swear its blade shall red in blood be dyed of innocence. Take heed. Beware. The chieftain with uplifted hands looks heavenward on the voiceless sky and tremblingly imploring stands, rack-torn with fiercest agony. One half my lands I'll freely give, all, all, he cried in accents wild, so that the innocent may live. Oh, save my wife and spare my child. Lakbui Gallimdu replied, Gold can never indemnify for loss of honor, nor can hide the stains of open infamy. Me wantonly you have disgraced, I me. Although full well you knew your confidence was ne'er misplaced when given in trust to Gallum Dew. To me your life you once have owed, and opening his checkered vest, he with his finger proudly showed a cicatrice upon his breast. To you your angel wife is dear, to me more dear than life and light is Flora, who with soul sincere her maiden troth to me did plight. And am I then so abject now as not to dare her smiles to greet? Yes, I absolve her from her vow. Revenge alone to me is sweet. Yet listen, if on bended knee you do now publicly confess how deeply you have injured me in sorrow and regret express, and farther, if you shall consent to bear your shoulders to the scourge and suffer what I underwent, these, these perhaps the stain may purge. 
Yes, yes, thy purpose to recall I here confess on bended knee, in presence of my vassals all, that I have deeply injured thee. Stripes, torture, death itself, I dare, exclaimed aloud the stricken chief, so that my only child you spare, and thus assuage his mother's grief. The astonished clansmen murmured loud, but quailed as them their chief denied, who in the center of the crowd the agonizing lash defied. "'Twas over, though he could not speak. He, breathing deep, looked wistfully toward the cold and dreary peak which topped the rugged cliff so high. Oh, horror! With outstretched arm the desperate man held up the child as if he meditated harm. His looks were haggard, dark, and wild. One moment more. With demon glare he bent his arm the child to kiss, then vaulting into empty air both sank into the dark abyss. Oh, who can paint a scene so dread, the howling and the dismal yell, enough to rouse the sleeping dead and scare the very fiends of hell? But whence those other sounds of woe which now assail the wearied ear, so mournful, plaintive, wailing low, like moaning winds in autumn sere? Has some illusion of the mind, some airy phantom of the brain, a dream of fancy undefined, awakened up such doleful strains? Ah, no! The accents sad of grief, the passing knell, have mournful knoll, and warned the childless, widowed chief, that Isabel in death lies cold. How vain, alas, is human pride, in youth impatient of control! It swells like ocean's raging tide, and saps the barriers of the soul. In after years, as death draws near, its waves begin to retrograde while we lament with many a tear and mourn the mocks which they have made. The morn had seen Lochbuie proud ride forth, the idol of his clan. The evening hears him sob aloud, alone, and broken-hearted man. For closed in dullness is that ear which mercy never sued in vain, and dims that eye which want to cheer and make the wretch forget his pain. No longer shall the infant gem of innocence endearing smile. Cut off before its beauteous stem, it sleeps beside Mull's mournful isle. Poor Flora, in fantastic weeds, wild wanders on the lonely shore, and muttering mournful tells her beads she ne'er shall see her callum more. Lochbuie's halls are silent now within Iona's cloistered pile. The chief to heaven his life did vow, and never more was seen to smile. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain.